Amen. Welcome, church family. Amen to the house of the Lord. Yeah. I don't know what you came in today, but I know the provision of the Lord is here. Amen. Isn't it awesome to be in a place where we know that no matter what we're going through, no matter what the situation is, God is greater than that. Amen. Are you, are you with that this morning? Are you here in a... I like to say in the disposition of faith to say that whatever's happening, whatever we're going through, whatever situation may be going on in your life, you are in the right place. God is able. He's, he's abundantly able. In fact, the Bible says more than what you can even imagine able, God is here with us. Amen. It's so nice to see all the family of faith coming together on this beautiful Sunday morning. So nice to get away from all the stuff and things and situations and life just to settle yourself down in the house of the Lord. You made the right decision to come to church. Will you look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. Can I encourage you today? I see all the ladies and all the guys. Everybody looks so nice. And, you know, here at Harvest Point Church, you know, I still put on my bow tie on Sunday morning. I'm just uh, kind of old school. I know that nowadays, uh, you know, you could come up here with some nice sneakers and some jeans and a leather jacket. And I don't know, maybe I might, maybe I might start doing that someday. But... You know, I still think that, you know, Sunday's a day that we come together, we reverence it, we set it aside. And how awesome it is just to come to church and just hear the Lord and get your mind on the things of God. And I would encourage you, since we took all this effort, you, you, get, you look so wonderful, you got dressed and you came to church and you took the time out. Why not take, get the most out of church today? Just let the Spirit of God speak to you. I promise you, if you open up your heart and mind to the Lord, He's going to speak something revelatory, something incredible. And you're going to walk out different than the way you came in. And isn't that what church should be all about? That we're leaving differently than when we first came in. That we're gravitating to the things of God and the heart of God. His mind so that we might be better used of the Lord. So welcome to the house of the Lord. If this is your first, second, or third time here, we're glad you're here. Amen. We're glad you're here. We're going to have a good time in the Lord today. Amen. What an awesome day it is. Can I have you to stand for a moment? And as you're standing, uh, today we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3. Exodus 3. Many of you know that as we've been uh, coming together over the last several weeks, we are in a series entitled The Main Event. You saw that preview uh, that came on right before I did. And this is The Main Event. The Main Event is a series of messages that are helping us to see the God of the Old Testament so that we can transcend into the new. Everything you're going to hear about today concerning God, concerning the main event, which I call times in which God intervened in the Old Testament that transcend the new. And so there are wonderful principles that we learn of God in the Old Testament that help us to, to encapsulate the Lord quite clearer in the New Testament. And so today we are in this particular place. It's called the burning bush. You might have heard of that before, the burning bush, and we're going to be talking about that today. We have one more stop on the main event uh, next Sunday, just to give you a little preview, we're going to stop by the Battle of Jericho where there was a cameo appearance of the Lord, and we're going to talk about that. So be ready. Next Sunday, we're going to be at Jericho on Sunday morning next week, and that'll conclude the series, and we've got a new series to get started after that, but we're going to have a good time in the things of the Lord. Amen. So as you can see, as you can see, we're, we're in Exodus chapter 3. We are at the burning bushes at the beginning of that particular uh, message uh, or this the scriptures give us uh, relevance into this particular occasion and so I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 in in this uh, message the main event the burning bush so if you have your Bible with me I'm reading from the King James version of my Bible this again is Exodus chapter 3 beginning at verse 1 I'll read it all the way through verse 5 and it begins like this now Moses kept the flock of Jethro his father-in-law the priest of Midian 
And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and beheld the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And this is why we've come together today to see this great sight. And I pray that if it draws Moses, it'll draw you too. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And he said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. I'm hoping today to draw us into this experience, into that holy ground experience. And I pray that you let the Spirit of the Lord talk to you. Amen. So let's do this. Let's pray. Let's just get into a, to a state of mind that allows the Spirit of God to move and to move freely. And so we'll just, we'll just ask the Lord to help us. Will you pray with me as we pray together, as we still ourselves? Father, we thank you for this glorious day. We thank you for the time that we have together. We thank you, Father, that this time won't be lost. And Father, no matter what the rhyme or reason, whatever the intention, whatever the thing was that drew us here, that when we walk out of here today, we're going to know that it was you. Holy Spirit, still us for a moment. For 30 minutes, let our minds be still. Just so that we might gather in, glean, take in that which is needful. That we might, from your word, from, from, from the preaching, uh, receive from that preaching words and elements of faith that help our lives to be better for you. We pray your help and strength. Uh, move aside all the things that are, that, are, that are in our minds, things that clutter our minds with thoughts and worries and cares and things. Let that all just slip away that we might concentrate on you. Holy Spirit, have your way today. Do what only you can do. We pray your blessing, your help, your strength as we move forward today. And we pray that together in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Listen, I always like for the church of God to mingle. And I know there's a lot of uh, new faces in the house of the Lord today. So why don't you go grab somebody. And I want you to tell them this. I want you to grab somebody. And I want you to say, our God is a personal God. Will you go grab somebody and say, our God is a personal God. Our God is a personal God. Go grab somebody, salute somebody, love on somebody. Go say hi. We got a lot of new faces in the house of the Lord, beautiful people that have come to visit with us. Amen. Let's, let, let's go say hi one to another. Blessings. Amen. Yes, 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 yes. Our God is a personal God. Our God is a personal God. Praise the Lord. Allow me to draw you into holy ground. Our God is a personal God. Allow me to draw you into the nature of God. Our God is a personal God. How beautiful that is. Our God 
is a personal God. I'm speaking of his holiness, amen. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. How awesome it is to see the family of faith, to see the people of God, amen. What an awesome thing it is to be in the house of the Lord with the family of faith, amen. Will you look at your neighbor right now and tell him our God is a personal God? <laughs> How awesome. Our God is a personal God. So much can be said of God. Uh, it, it is my impression that the more we think about God, uh, the more he can get away from us. Sometimes our image and perception of God is so grand, the grandeur of the Lord, the majesty of God, even his holiness, to which people will ascribe to the holiness of God something that is unbelievable. In fact, the word holiness in Hebrew is to say something a cut above the rest, something so great, so grand, that sometimes a mind cannot even capture it. He is holy. And, and yet in all of the details that we have of God and everything that we know of the Father, he remains personal. Our God is a personal God. So important that you capture that because your understanding of God should always be in the context and the way he reveals himself. You see, God is in the details of his revelation. God is very careful about how he reveals himself because in his revealing is how we grow in faith. Your faith is contingent to the mind and heart and purpose of God. And God is very careful on how he reveals himself. And it can be, it can be a, a somewhat of a, of a stupor for us to begin to understand all the omnis of God, the abilities of God, the strengths of God, and begin to try to think of God. And even so much as to say the names of God can cause God to be distant. But God has sent me here to tell you he's a personal God. In fact, many of you, if you know your faith and you know your faith well, you know that our introduction to the Father has always been as Abba, Abba Father. And your relationship to God should not be to God, but to Abba, Daddy. He's a God of close proximity. The Bible says that the scriptures say that, 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 that we have a God who will never leave us nor forsake us. Catch this. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is our helper. The Bible says, know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That if we think about God in closest to proximity, God can never be any closer than to be in you. That in fact, as you go, God is. That wherever you are, God is. That God is close. He's a personal God. And as grand as God is, and we know that Jesus gave this description of the Father. He says, for the Father is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we get into our mind this idea that God is, is a spirit, and we can never lay hold of him. But that's not the truth of the word. God is personal. God is a personal God. Give your neighbor a high five and say, God is personal. Do you know that Jesus says that the very hairs on your head are all numbered? That David, speaking of the proximity of God, said, you saw me when I was curiously wrought in the inward parts of my own mother's womb? That you writ down all my members were written down in a book? When in continuance none of them were fashioned? When as yet there was none of them? That God knew you. 
In fact, could I say that, that, that it, was, it was Paul who writes to the church at Ephesia, and this, this verse is always stuck in my spirit when he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. He says, according as he has purposed in us with him before the foundation of the world. My God knew me. He's always known me. He's a personal God. I'm glad that I have a personal father because it makes my relationship with God have some substance. And what I'm afraid of the church at this hour is that we've, 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 theolog we've theologized God to such an extent and we've made God uh, to the extent of, of, of the grandeur of his word. We've just never got personal with a personal God. And it has always been God's intention to be personal with you. Do you know that today even, even an Orthodox Jew refuses to say the proper name of God, the name Yahweh? And they only speak it, they only whisper it, and they speak it in reverence. And it's as though God can be a million miles away when in fact he's right there next to you. He's with us. I want to introduce you to God, the personal God. The God who speaks to you right there in the midst of your situation, in your prompt. A God who will always be with you, who will never leave you. A God who purposes to make his house, his abode in your life. He is with you, my friend. God is with you. You don't have to look up into the stars and wonder where God is. And we're finding that in the church, people are saying, well, I can't find God. I don't know where God is. When in reality, God is right there with you. He is a personal God. He's a personal God. I love the fact that my God is introduced to me as Abba. He's my dad and I'm his son. And because we're in that relationship, it has become personal. Somebody say hallelujah. I, I pray today your life is embodied in the idea that you are a son or a daughter of God. Brother and sister, listen, until you know who you are in the Lord, you're never going to get personal with your relationship with God. So essential that you see God as father and you as son or daughter. Somebody say hallelujah. It's great to be part of the family of faith. It's great to be connected to God in that way. Listen, I'm talking about God, G-O-D, the God of creation of all the earth, that he's my father and I'm his son. And brother and sister, listen, if you confess Christ, you're part of the family of faith. Somebody say hallelujah. If you, if you call Jesus Savior, you're part of this family. You are connected to God. And there's a closeness in our proximity that God is always with me. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you so that you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Has God been helping you? Let me ask that one more time. God been helping you? Then why are you so quiet, man? Come on, somebody. Anybody ever got the help of God? If you've, if you've experienced the help of God, say hallelujah, glory to God. Give your neighbor a high five and say, he's been helping me, baby. I got some help. <laughs> How many know in this world you're going to need some help? Isn't it amazing that when God reveals himself, when God talks about himself, he says, listen, I'm abundant in goodness. I'm merciful. I'm kind. I'm endearing. Listen, how awesome it is to know that God could say anything about himself, but he said, when I'm close to you, just know that I'm merciful, that I'm great, that I'm kind, that I'm benevolent, that I'm abundant in goodness. Somebody say hallelujah. I live in that goodness. Somebody say hallelujah. I live in the goodness of God because it's personal. He's my father and I'm his son. So essential you get that. God's a personal God. He's always in the midst. He's always in the midst. Let me say that one more time. He's always in the midst. Let me say that one more time, somebody, because maybe you didn't get that. God 
is always in the midst. <laughs> Somebody say, God is sinner. He's always in the midst. Think about this. God is always in the midst. You got a problem? God's right there. Their situation, God's right there. Somebody said you were sick. He's in the midst of that. Wherever you are, he's right there. He's in the midst of that. God is always in the midst. God is always right there. God is always present. He's always on time. God, God is in the midst. He's in the midst. The, the burning bush is an expression of God in the midst. He's in the midst. It's interesting that Moses uh, has wasted 80 years of his life. Uh, he spent 40 years of his life trying to prove he was somebody. Another 40 years proving he was nobody. Come on, somebody. And God was in the midst of it all. 80 years, he sees a burning bush. He, he says to himself, I need to get over and see this, this strange sight. There's something happening here that I need to draw close to. The burning bushes, God is in the midst. He, he said, I'm seeing there's a bush, a Hebrew, a thorn bush in particular on fire. But the thorn bush is not being consumed. You see, he's in the midst of the thorn bush. Uh, most, most people don't realize how God is revealing himself. Uh, there's a property here. There's, there's an illustration of just how close God is. I, I want you to hear something about the thorn bush that has relationship to the midst of God. Catch this. Many of you know the story in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden. Many of you know that when God went over to Adam, he said to Adam a curse. He cursed. There was a curse that, that God imparted to the life of Adam. And he says this, Because thou hast hearkened unto the, to the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten from the tree of which I have told you thou shalt not eat of it, cursed shall be the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shall thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth unto thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Out of the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread until thou returnest unto the ground from whence thou was taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. You see, there was a curse. Some of you know that Jesus bled with a crown of thorns on his head. You see, he took that thorn. And he took it to Calvary because there was a curse. Some of y'all know that the Bible says that Paul, writing to the church at Galatia, everybody knows this verse in Christendom. The Bible says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For cursed is anyone that hangeth on a tree. Most of us know that verse, but I want you to be careful with that verse because there's a colon at the end of that verse. That means there's something that God wants to say to you that's, that has relationship to verse 13 of Galatians 3. He says this, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. Somebody say blessings of Abraham. Come on, somebody. Blessings of Abraham. He says that the promise of the Holy Spirit, right, can come on us to the Gentiles by faith. 
That we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit by faith. Well, what is he saying? I'm in the midst of you. What's the blessing of Abraham? That God's going to be with you. Uh, Brother and sister, here I'm here to tell you that we are in a generation today that doesn't know how to practice the presence of God. God is always with you. And brother and sister, when you start to realize just how close God is, it might change some of the things you do and say. It might change some of the places you might go. It might change the work of your hands and the labors of your feet when you realize that God is right there with you. Somebody say, God is with you. Look at your neighbor and say, God is with you, baby. Quit looking around like you're trying to find God. Listen, the whole truth of the matter is God found you. You'll never find God. It's a God who found you. Somebody say hallelujah. God isn't lost. You were lost. Somebody say hallelujah. I want you to see that God is now approaching Moses out of the curse. Jesus is speaking to us out of the curse. The bush is a symbol of mankind. A cursed mankind. And who's speaking out of the curse? But God. Do you realize today that most of us don't realize just how grand this is? Check this out. How many know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? That's a very famous Bible story of, of three Jewish men who, who, who declined to give obedience to the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. The Bible says that because they declined that invitation to worship the God that Nebuchadnezzar set up, that he commanded the, the, the furnaces to be inflamed seven times hotter than had ever been inflamed before. And in fact, the guards that took Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they themselves were consumed. But I want you to hear the Bible says that when they threw the men in, that the scriptures say that Nebuchadnezzar, looking from afar, says, I see three men walking about in the flame, and a fourth as of the Son of God. Somebody's shining in there in the midst of them. Do you think it's any wonder that Jesus says, or wherever two or three come together? There I am in the midst of you. Friend, we have a God who's in the midst of us. A personal God who is with us. And brother and sister, if we don't capture this, if we don't see it in the imagery that God gives us and understand that God is a God who is with us, we're going to lose the person of God. God is in the midst of us. He's here right now. He's with us. The Bible says wherever two or three come together agreeing by touching any one thing that whatever they ask shall be given unto them by the Father in heaven. I'm in the midst of you. He's here right now. Moses turned aside to see this great sight. What's the great sight? God in the midst, speaking out of the curse. A voice. Producing the proximity of God. People say, well, what is holy ground? Anywhere where God is. <laughs> the ground doesn't qualify. God qualifies. Wherever God is, it's holy ground. Brothers and sisters, don't you hear God saying, be ye therefore holy even as I am holy? Because why? We share the closest in our proximity with God. God is with you. God is with you. Brother and sister, God is with you. No, let me say it one more time. Maybe it would be better if you had a $100 bill with you. Or maybe if you had your insurance card with you. I said, God is with you. God walks with you. He abides with you. He's working with you. He's purposing in you. God is with us. God is with us. 
I want you to see that in this case, we got a man by the name of Moses who has left the purposes God gave him. You know who Moses is, right? He was the one who got saved off an angry Nile. They put him in a reed basket. He grew up in the house of Pharaoh. He thought of himself as being a man of, of, of very much importance up until the fact that he got into some place where he thought he could do it for himself and he killed an Egyptian slave master. You know these stories, right? And buried him in the sand. And when that came abroad a, a or of news, the Bible says he took off and went into the desert. And there he was for 40 years being nothing. He went from somebody to nobody. Until God showed up. You know, I look around, I see a lot of people, and I say this all the time. You don't know your God-given potential in Christ Jesus. And I think we get into in our lives, and we're going about our lives, and we're living our lives, and we've got jobs and careers and families and things, and we're all involved in life. We just haven't got involved in the real life that God wants to bring into and, 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 and place in those places where God can do something extraordinary in you. There are things beyond your ability to understand and to comprehend. God wants to do something incredible in you. He wants to pr produce a place where there is a holy place in you. And friend, I'm here to tell you, God has more to offer than just going to work, having a job and having kids, driving a car, going on vacation. Something deep, deeper, something richer. Here's Moses who now perceives himself to be a nobody and God is showing up and says, there's something I won't do in you. Something I'm going to do in you. And God reveals the power of the kingdom of God. Some incredible notions of deliverance. How many know that God delivered Israel out of a superpower Egypt by his own hand? How many know that part of that deliverance of God for the nation of Israel was to show the power of God? How many know that, 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 that God, uh, through Moses, turned the river Nile into blood? Anybody know these stories that he turned the river Nile into blood? And how that blood, can you imagine that, 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 that the Egyptians had gods for everything? Isn't it amazing that they're trying to pursue God? How, how many know that Christianity is God pursuing us? God's showing up. Listen, friend, that, that, that the river now was turned to blood. Can you imagine what it smelled like when it coagulated and it just got thick? You know, blood gets into like a jelly. And the Bible says that after that blood came a plague of frogs. You know, because the Egyptians thought that, that the gods of fertility were found in those frogs. And so God caused frogs to come up. And they came up so much out of the river now that, that they began to die on the banks and they heaped them up in big piles. And the scriptures say that it stunk. The stench was all over Egypt. Are you y'all know these stories, right? Do you know that the Egyptians thought that the, the, the God of the earth would keep them clean? And so God caused the dust to rise up like lice. Anybody ever seen anybody infested with lice? And they were infested with lice. A superpower. People had lice, hordes of it, swarms of it. God sends a swarms of flies, and, and, and we know that God sent a plague upon the livestock. You know these stories where Pharaoh went out and saw the livestock of all of Israel grazing in Goshen, but there in Egypt, all of the livestock had passed away. Then he sends boils. You know these stories, right? Boils, and then, and then after the boils, hail and mingled with fire. And the hailstorm had come down and ripped all the, the vegetation and crops, and then uh, Moses gives a warning, God's going to send locusts. Get yourself ready. 
And locust comes and everything that wasn't torn apart by the, by the, by the hail, the, 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 the locust ate it. And there was no food, no vegetation, no crop, no thing. For every god there was in Egypt, for gods of productivity and gods of harvest were all erupted by the power of God. And God said, I'm going to cause darkness to come. Darkness so thick you're going to feel it. Do you know that the historian Josephus writes that darkness hung like a veil over Egypt? And that the children of Goshen would come and stick their hands into darkness? That was all to show the power of God, but they weren't delivered yet. Deliverance comes because God gets personal. Let me tell you something. All of those plagues demonstrated the very power of God. But the power of God doesn't deliver you. What will deliver you is his personableness. God is personal. Friend, I want you to catch this, church. I want you to catch this. We are in a culture of people now who have God at arm's distance. God is distant. God is far away. When the Bible teaches emphatically that God is with us, he's right now. He's here with us. He's in the midst of us. We've got to capture that again. And God gave the purpose of that burning bush as an illusion, as a purpose, as an illustration, as a type and a shadow for us to realize that God is close. Do you know that Solomon wrote that God, that it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but, but it's the privilege, it's the right of a king to search out a matter. That listen, sometimes God looks like he's hidden, but he's really not. He just wants you to come looking for him. He wants you to get personal. If you don't know where God is, he wants you to come find him. Do you know that the Bible says we've got to ask, we've got to seek, we've got to knock. We've got to pursue the Lord with our whole heart. God wants you to find him. We have a personal God. But it didn't get personal. The power of God was demonstrated. But it wasn't personal yet. Your God is always personal. It's the personableness of God that brings deliverance. Do you know today that it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance? It's not his hardness, it's not his power, it's not his ability. What is it? It's his goodness. It's his personableness that brings men into salvation. But I want you to capture this. Something that's lost in the church. Do you know that this is the first time we ever heard the word Passover? That there was a Passover in the ten plagues that God sent upon Egypt. Passover is personal. It's a personal thing. It was a prefigure of something that was to come, but it was still personal with God. I want you to know that when the Passover came, this was, this, was the, this was the firstborn male of every family that wasn't covered by blood would die when the death angel came. There was a plague coming, a death angel. Brother and sister, if you've never read your Bible and understand the power of God, listen, God could send an angel and dispatch Mansfield in a, but an hour. Some of you know that the Bible teaches theologians say that when Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said he could have called 12 legion of angels. Do you know that the world would have only been alive for a minute or so if 12 legions of angels showed up to do the duty of God? It would have wiped us all out. Talking about a death angel. One angel. Not 10, not 3, not 20. One. One death angel. Coming on behalf of God to do the business of God. And the only people that are going to make it out are people that were personal with God. Well, how did it become personal? This is what's lost on Passover. God told Moses, I want you to tell the nation of Israel, I want them to get a lamb. 
A lamb without blemish. And I want the people of Israel to bring that lamb into their house. Separate it from the corral. Separate it from the herd. Uh, Take it from wherever you have your animals. And I want you to bring it into your house. And I want that lamb to eat off your dinner table. I want it to be like a family member. I want it to sleep with your kids. To be there when you get up and when you go to sleep. It's not going to stay outside. It's going to be inside. Because Jesus is always in the midst. It's a figure of what was to come. That there's the lamb. It it wasn't a random thing. It wasn't something far away. It was something close. It was something that ate at your table. It was something when the kids laid down, that that, that the lamb would lay down with them. It's something that they caressed. It's something that they held. It's something that they fed. It was something personal. You know, I would venture to say today, I, I, I hate to say this and make, give any comparative statement this way, but I would hate to say if we were going to, if God said, listen, if you want to get right with me, bring your little pet dog. We're going to take the blood of your dog as a substitute. There are probably be a lot of people who say, well, Lord, I'm just going to live the way I'm living because I ain't giving you my dog. I love my dog. You know, it's personal. Because you're going to take a lamb And you're going to make that lamb personal. The issue in the church about our lives is that we never take Christ personal. Then the way that we live our lives is impersonal with God. The thing that made David so great was the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he always wanted God to be first. Now catch this. I want you to hear this. He was personal with David. His sin and his error with God was always personal. Because he had a personal relationship. My friend today, listen, your sin will never be personal until it becomes personal. And this was the the notion of God in that lamb to make this matter personal with you. God is a personal God. God is a personal God. A God who is in the midst of everything. The Bible says, I want you to bring that lamb in. And on the 14th day, I wanted to be with you for two weeks. And on that 14th day, then we're going to take that, we're going to slit that animal's throat. We're going to bleed it. Then I want you to take the blood from that and I want you to apply it to the post, the, 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 the post of, of your doors. When the death angel comes through, it'll move right past you. We don't see the symbolism that we should be taking that personal blood and applying it to the post of our own heart. That this matter with God becomes personal. Brother and sister, can I share with you that if you ever make this thing personal, your, your faith comes alive. If you ever make the matter of God to be a personal business with you and God, all of a sudden everything comes alive in your spiritual life. Everything starts making sense. Everything falls into the right categories and order. Whenever we say, God, this is personal with you and it's personal with me, I enter into a relationship with God. And I would pray today that somebody would say, you know what, Pastor, I'm tired of this being impersonal. I don't want to just come to church and go through the motions. I want something authentic in my faith. I want to know God like I've never known God. I want this thing to be personal in my life. I want to have a personal, intimate relationship with God. Oh, I wish I had somebody. I know you're clapping your hands, but I mean something inside of you that's changing. And you understand that you want to have an intimate, close, dynamic relationship to a God who is in the midst of everything. 
God is already in the midst of your trouble, already in the midst of your pain, already ahead of you. God already has an answer. It's just not personal with you yet. Listen, we can quote all the scriptures all day long. I love the way Paul put it. Paul said this. What shall we say then to these things? If God before us, then who can be against us? He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, that is even at the right hand of the Father, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or, 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 or distresses or persecution or famine or nakedness or perilous or sword? But that is it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Listen to Paul, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. This is personal with God. It's personal with God. It's personal with God. It's personal with God. Shout it. It's personal with God. He's personal with you. He, he's in the midst of you. He's right next to you. Brother, we, brother and sister, we can't just keep going on the way we've been going on. God has sent me to tell you this is personal with him. It's personal. It's personal. It's personal. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. For that which may be known of God is manifest in them. You say, well, how, preacher? Because the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by those things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Our God is personal. He's right here. He's right now. You don't have to run to find him. He's in the midst. He's speaking to you out of the curse. The thing that should have separated us is the very thing that God speaks to us from. Jesus was made to be that curse. He took those thorns all the way to Golgotha to prove to you that curse is over. Listen, so why don't you stand? Just, just stand with me. Just stand with me because it's so essential, so essential that we know that God is personal. I'm going to have you do something with me just for a moment, and I, I know this may sound odd, and it may sound somewhat indifferent to maybe your expression of the Lord and your, maybe your thoughts on God. But I'm here to tell you, he's in the midst. The, the, the story is told while David on the Isle of Patmos was giving revelation to heaven. You know the story. The Bible says that 
that, that, that the Jesus that you saw, remember the Jesus that left in the manger? The one that, that was battered and torn and bruised on the cross, right? He's not the same Jesus. Let me show you something. The Bible says that John said he turned to see the voice which spake behind him. He said, and as he turned, he saw seven golden candlesticks. The image of the church. Some of y'all know that in Revelation chapter 1, that in this revelation that Paul, that, 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 pardon me, that John gives us, the beloved, he's, he's speaking of the churches. They are, they are in a place of degradation. They are not operating as they should be operating, operating with the exception of the church at Philadelphia, which still maintained their love for God. It was still personal. The Bible says that as he turned and saw the seven golden candlesticks, he saw one as a son of man in the midst of them. He said, with a garment, clothed down to the foot and, and gird about the paps with the golden girdle. He said his hair and, and his head was white as snow, uh, white as wool, uh, white as snow, and his eyes as a flaming fire. Catch this. He's telling you that in the midst of the contamination, Jesus is still there. He's still there. He said, his feet as fine brass as if it burned in a furnace. His voice is the sound of many waters. Y'all know these passages, right? He said, and in his right hand, seven stars. And out of his mouth proceeded a, a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun that shineth in his strength. And he said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Listen. But he touched me. He said, fear not, for I am the Alpha and the Omega. The God who finishes something to get started. Brother and sister today, do you know that God has already finished it? You want to know how involved God is in your life? He's already completed the task. God will produce a task and make a life to complete it. That's how awesome your God is. I believe today what we need is already done. God has already finished it. That's how personal it is with God. And today, you know, brother and sister, I believe we need to recapture the image of that burning bush. The God who speaks out of a curse. The God who speaks out of a situation. I, I want to read this to you just as a, a matter of prayer. And, and I pray that, 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 that we capture this today. Hear this. Verily I say unto you. Now listen to this, church. Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth. Catch this shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven say well how can this power be how do I use the power of God how do I access it because it's personal listen to what he says verily I say unto you whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever ye loose shall be loosed on, uh, loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven now catch this again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done of them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. That's what I want us to do. I want you to get next to that person, that right next to you, that, that neighbor, that person you came. It could be a wife, it could be a friend. I just want you to kind of bear in close. We need to practice the presence of God. As you press in to one another, 
press in knowing that Jesus is right there. Let me say that one more time. As you press in one to another, just know that Jesus is right there. He's in the midst. You need to practice that, my friend. Not just for Sunday morning, but when you leave this place, whenever you go about your daily work, whenever you go back home, that all we need is two or three to come together. And just like Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in that fiery furnace, there was one in the midst of them, one that shined like the sun. And who is it? It is Christ alone. Jesus is with you. He's with you. Will you practice that for a moment? Tie in with that person next to you. We're going to pray together. Tie in. Come on, grab him. Grab him. I mean, practice this, baby. If you, listen, if you can't hug your neighbor, you're certainly not going to hug somebody out in the street. If, we, if you can't hug your wife or a friend or somebody, you're certainly not going to hug a co-worker and guide them into the presence of the Lord. Alberto, jump over here with Richard. Come on, tie in, tie in, tie in, tie in. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do this morning. We're going to practice the burning bush. We're going to practice the burning bush. Marty, do you mind putting that image back up? Do you mind putting that image back up for me? Put that image back up. Moses said, I'm going to go, go see this strange sight. There's a bush, a thorn bush on fire, but it's not being consumed. That bush being a symbol of mankind that out of the curse that should have consumed them, the presence of God didn't consume it. But in fact, was speaking out of the curse 